everyone. This is Regina. Hi, horse lovers. This is Lynn. This week on the Horse Industry Podcast. Boy, do we have a story for our listeners today. Right. And you and I both had our books for a few months now Mm -hmm. and studying this and talking to people and really trying to understand the story. Yeah. This story actually came to us through my friend, Mick Francis. We were down in Fort Worth at the stock show this January. And he's like, hey, have you ever heard of the Cowboy Mafia thing, Rex Cobble? Like, no, I have no idea. And so he kind of told me about it. And I came home and I said, Lynn, we have a story. And I think that it was slightly familiar to you. You know, I'd heard of Cutter Bill. Yes. But I didn't really know what I knew about Cutter Bill because I'm not from Texas. Right. But if you're from Texas, you know, or ever lived in Texas, you are familiar with the Cowboy Mafia and the Rex Cobble story. Yeah. So this is Cutter Bill, Rex Cobble, Muscles Foster, and probably one of the biggest marijuana drug busts in Texas or in, even in the United States in history. Yeah. And some of the most famous horses in history are tied to this. Mm-hmm. Not by any fault of their own. No. But Cutter Bill, Wimpy, Tardy too, and a few others. So mm-hmm. it's a really interesting story how those horses are, right? Horses, good horses end up in the hands of people with a lot of money, whether it be ill-gained or <laughs> right. or earned. The book that I read is called Cowboy Mafia, and it's by Roy Graham. And he was Rex Cobble's private pilot. You read a different book. But in my book, it talked about how actually the horse industry is the perfect cover for smuggling marijuana because it can be hidden amongst alfalfa hay. So, Lynn, what book did you read? I read The Cobble Connection. It's called A Texas Scandal of Drugs, Sex, and Greed by Gene Wilson. Interesting. Okay. So, to tell this story, this story really is anchored with Rex Cobble and Muscles Foster. Muscles Foster's original name or his given name was Charles Ebert Foster. Muscles and Rex Cobble were... I mean, they were just a very unlikely duo to be such good friends and have such long history. It was certainly an odd friendship. Did Muscles actually have Muscles? No. (laughs) No. I read that too. I know. In fact, it's kind of like one of those things like you go to a bar and there's a bouncer named Tiny and Tiny is anything but Tiny. It's kind of the polar opposite with Muscles Foster. His nickname was Muscles because he had none. (laughs) (laughs) I picked up on that too. He was just a slight little goofy looking guy. So Rex was this uber successful, polished, disciplined, law-abiding oilman. He was a business and a civic leader. Muscles, again, was this disheveled, insecure, skinny little guy, yet he was super talented when it came to horses as not only a trader, but as a Colt Breaker. Now, Rex struck it rich with oil when he was just 31 years old. He walked around with a diamond ring that was five and a quarter carats. Rex was a hard worker. Workaholic. Right? I mean, like his father, I think, was a cotton farmer mm-hmm. and and ended up losing his fortune to gambling or something like that. So it was kind of a misfortunate childhood. And Rex was mm-hmm. determined to be successful in life. And so he, I mean, he worked 
hard. He worked hard. He rubbed elbows with the right people. He did all the right things. He's a smart, shrewd yeah, businessman. He really like he learned. Like as he was working hard and like he was he was learning from the best and really took it upon himself to get mentors mm-hmm. and to learn about the the oil business. Absolutely. And he eventually Got involved with horse racing, and he had the Cutter Bill Western World retail stores that were kind of called the Neiman Marcus of the West. So he dabbled in a lot of different things. In fact, he was also involved with some politics as well. So a very diverse, smart, hardworking, well-known man. Now, there have been some conversations about what he was like on a personal level. The story that we're going to tell absolutely conveys his empathy for muscles. The empathy, the the father figure towards muscles, he really took care of muscles. But then in other ways or with, through other people, he was described as being tough, like a hard ass. Gina, I just want, I want to share with you just a little bit of how Rex rose through the oil industry. And while he was doing that, he would work hard all week, party hard on the weekends, known as a womanizer. Josephine was his fifth wife. And when he met Josephine, he was introduced to her by an acquaintance. And again, Rex had been hobnobbing around with, with the rich and influential, and he was introduced to a widow. Her name was Josephine. Josephine's husband had been very big in the oil business. And when he passed, he left his fortune to Josephine and her son, Louis. Mm, I've heard of Louis. Yes. So Louis is pretty influential throughout this whole story tour, at least involved. So Rex married Josephine and had access instantly to millions of dollars. So is this after he struck oil as a 31-year-old himself? Yeah, it oh. kind of comes in there. It kind of comes in there. So he struck oil. He'd had some success. Okay. And he really played the wealthy oilman as the years progressed, but he wasn't quite as wealthy as what he portrayed. But with his marriage to Josephine, and again, this was his fifth marriage. So he took a little bit of time in courting Josephine and, and finally marrying her. But that totally changed the trajectory mm-hmm. of his life by adding her millions. And then he began to run her business. Again, a smart, shrewd businessman. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he loved her. In fact, I think I did read that when it came to Josephine, it did start as love, although it kind of morphed into more of a partnership. Yeah, they ended up living separately. Rex lived on the ranch in Denton, and she lived in Dallas, and he built her a beautiful mansion in Dallas, and they they lived separate lives. I think Rex had a lot of women friends on the side. It's kind of an open marriage, but every Sunday, he took her to church. He went to church with Josephine. He met her, took her to church, and so every Sunday, they were at church together. Image. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So was it more image or was it empathy being a good guy? Hard to tell. It's hard to tell. The thing that that impressed me reading this is that Rex was very careful of his image. He knew who to do business with. He knew the clothes to wear. He absolutely wanted to be that big Texas oil man. That was important to him. 
Yeah. So, Gina, I mean, he, Rex prided himself in his celebrity friends. So he hung out with Bob Hope. One of the things that he mentioned was that he's very proud that he had Bob Hope's personal phone number. And Bob Hope would come to the ranch on weekends that he had off. Also, John Wayne, Ronald Reagan. The former Texas governor, John Connolly, was a character witness at his trial. He seemed to be that that name popped up a lot in my research as well. Yeah, no, he John Connolly absolutely supported Rex. And I think that that really felt like he was innocent and maybe had been set up for for what he ended up going to to prison for. Mm -hmm. But Dale Robertson, whose fame came from the tales of Wells Fargo, Lauren Green, Dale Evans, Roy Rogers. And then on top of that, he had a diverse group of friends. So kind of on the sketchy side. He was friends with the governor of Louisiana that ended up going to jail for some criminal activity, and then a casino owner in Las Vegas. So he liked to mix it up with his friends, the famous, the rich and the famous, and then the those on the, on the shady side a little bit. He was a busy guy who knew a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And he wanted to break into that horse world. I mean, that was so important to him. And he had the connections and the money to do that, which is kind of a good segue back to Muscles. You know, Muscles did not have a good role model in his own father. Sources say Muscles' dad was kind of a rough alcoholic. Muscles' mother finally one day, Len, picked up her kids, went to the road, stuck up her thumb, and hitched a ride to Dallas. And then a few years after that, when Muscles was just 14 years old, he simply took off for Oklahoma to try his hand at the rodeo. This made sense, though, because Muscles truly had a sense of horses and equine talent. Like we shared, he could buy a horse cheap and trade it up for something better or sell it off for some more money. Did you know that eventually Muscles was in the Army and served in the Korean conflict? Yeah, I did hear that. Okay, yeah. yeah. Rex met Muscles in the 1960s. By the 70s, Rex was one of the richest men in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, and before, so not to talk over you, but when Rex met Muscles, mm-hmm. Rex was, he already owned some of the famous stallions in the industry, including Silver King, Hard Twist, and even the great Wimpy. I didn't know that. That was something that was really surprising to me. Wimpy is the original stallion of the entire quarter horse breed. Goosebumps. Who was 20 years old when Rex acquired him. So he was, Rex acquired him after he'd had all of his fame, but I mm-hmm. think that was just like a trophy to collect. Absolutely. Well, Roy Graham, the author of the book that I read, and again, Rex's personal pilot, said that Rex would never, ever fire muscles because he had the horse sense. And they both knew that Cutter Bill was going to be super special. So did you read the part about so every once in a while, muscles would just disappear. Yes. Like he was mentally ill. Oh, and absolutely. And there's even more to come of that. There's a story in there that one time when muscles did one of his disappearing acts, he left the ranch while leaving 19 mares <laughs> in the lot with three different stallions yeah. and took all the keys to the ranch, to everything. <laughs> and Rex was left to try to figure out... Which mayor got bred to who? And by the way, where's all the keys? Muscles mailed him the keys. From the Hawkins Ranch. Yeah, Ray Hawkins. Which so we're going to get to in a second. And to as well. But backing up, as we talk about muscles taking off, this comes back to muscles' huge weakness, women. 
So Rex knew how to be a successful businessman and Muscles knew horses. But Lynn, that's about all Muscles knew. Horses were Muscles' specialty. Women were Muscles' weakness. His brain went to mush whenever a woman even slightly looked his way. As we share the beginning, Muscles had big ears, a goofy grin, and shoulders that kind of rolled forward. So it almost looked like he was in the shape of a question mark in the saddle. (laughs) (laughs) He may have been in the little leagues when it came to women, but when it came to horses, Muscles was in the big leagues. He was absolutely a major leaguer. He had a phenomenal reputation. And that really got him quite a ways with a bunch of the rich Texas horse people. Soon after they met, Rex became one of Muscle's millionaire clients. Yet the friendship, it transcended logic. Rex craved cowboy talent and devotion, which he got from Muscles. And Muscles craved a father figure, which he got from Rex. In fact, Muscles called Rex Papa. Muscles' weakness for women cannot be understated. He really, really, really loved women. But he thought the only way that he could land a woman was with money. He knew that he did not have the looks or the swagger. So every dime that Muscles made seemed to end up trying to catch and keep a woman. Muscles looked in the mirror and determined that the only thing he could offer a woman was money. In fact, he was quoted as saying, do you know what a man and bank account has in common? Without money, neither of them gain any interest. It's kind of sad. Yeah. It's kind of sad. The women that Muscles chose to worship did not treat him with much respect. When they could not benefit from Muscles' bankroll any longer, when the money dried up, they would leave. This was devastating to Muscles. He would become depressed, and it was common, as you said, for him to just disappear. And this didn't happen once or twice. This was pretty common. And Rex was super frustrated with him but also worried about him greatly. It was that empathy in Rex that kept letting Muscles come back for yet another shot. Lynn, Muscles was married three times. One of the marriages only lasted two weeks. The last woman who married him actually stuck around long enough to give him two sons. Then in 1965, they were divorced and she left and took the boys with her. This was the ultimate blow. He did not even have the strength anymore to escape or disappear per usual. He turned to Rex for help and Muscles figured that the only way to get his family back was with money. So Rex wrote a check for $9,000. Now the wife took the money and again left. She ran. She took the money and was like, <clears throat> she, oh, thanks, see ya. Boom, out of here. It's kind of like the roadrunner with the smoke and the dirt <laughs> behind her. She took off. Muscles was broken from this. He was taken to a Dallas hospital in a straitjacket. He was literally having convulsions and foaming at the mouth. His self-worth and his eyes were measured by the treatment of the women that he so worshipped, and he had to crumble time and time again. It is reported that Muscle had many friends and a variety of good people who took pity on him. Upon Muscle's release from the hospital, William Carruth, another millionaire who was fond of Muscles, let him use his ranch. But Muscles was unable to pull himself together. He drank with abandon and left the place a total mess. And so when this rancher told Muscles to leave, Muscles went back to his friend Rex and asked for a job. 
Rex was always kind and always giving, and he hired Muscle to breed the mares and break the horses. After all, Muscles knew the horses, and Rex knew that. Rex needed Muscles to be somebody and to be successful in that horse world. After a few months, Rex promoted Muscles to be the overseer of all his properties, which included several large ranches and all kinds of access to buildings and horses and so forth. Muscles certainly benefited from Rex's generous spirit and bank account. We are sponsored by Purple Power Equine. Looking to add performance, power, and balanced nutrition? Purple Power Equine has many products that will become essential in preparing your equine athlete for performance. Whether you need to help gut and hoof health or add weight, body, and dimension, Purple Power Equine can help bring success to your equine athlete. Gastro Power, Power Up. Hoof Power, Power Punch, Emergency Power. Visit purplepowerequine.com or on Facebook at Purple Power Equine. This relationship between Rex and Muscles is a total head-scratcher to me. It doesn't even make sense. And like he just, he felt some sort of empathy or fatherhood or something. He didn't have a son of his own. Lewis was his stepson and Muscles needed him. I don't know. Maybe Muscles was a combination of everything Rex liked and his rich and famous friends or somebody that was super talented when it came to horses, but really needy on the other side. I mean, I, I, I just don't get it. I would think that with all of the people available to Rex, all of his connections, all of his friends and associates from politics to, it seems like he could have found someone more reliable. He could have hired any famous trainer back yeah. from back in the day. I mean, like, right, he didn't have to choose muscles. He could have afforded somebody with a reputation and yeah, I, I just don't get it. It, it is absolutely... Uh, interesting study in psychology and codependence because that that relationship has never been it's still a mystery to a lot of people but something in muscles certainly ignited rex's empathy in late 1960 rex built the cutter bill championship arena which we had talked about earlier in front of that he erected a gilded statue of his beautiful palomino stud rex was wealthy respected and well-known. And yet, Lynn, did you know that every Wednesday that Muscles was at the ranch, Rex is reported to have stopped by and picked up his laundry? I did hear that. <laughs> they couldn't afford somebody. Like he, he, and again, it's a parenting thing, parenting? father thing. Paternal? Yeah. Empathy, pity, who knows? It was well-known that Rex was connected politically, hated narcotics, and prized his good reputation. Okay, Lynn, so before we move on to the next part, I mentioned that Rex built the Cutterbill Championship Arena. What You know more about Cutterbill than I do. Yeah, I did some research on Cutterbill. And so Rex was known for his love of animals. His dog, Lep, was buried at the front of his property with Aww. a marker. Like, he truly loved his dog. But what the reason that he ended up with Cutterbill, Cutterbill was a golden palomino that Josephine wanted to buy when she first spotted him at an auction in Wichita Falls in 1956. The horse cost a whopping $2,500, a lot of dough in those days. School teachers, as a reference, in 1956 earned $3,500 a year. 
and only about $4,000 if they had a master's degree. So $2,500 was a lot of money for Cutter Bill. They drove to Wichita Falls to shop the big horse show when Josephine had spotted him and said, Rex, buy him, please. He's just beautiful. Of course, Rex wanted to please her. And after all, it was her money that he was spending, right? Yeah. yeah. So they bought him when he was a yearling. Cobble, Rex actually broke him to ride. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, Rex broke him to ride. Later on in 1962, a cowboy named Sonny Perry rode Cutter Bill at the National Cutting Horse Association World Championship and set a record with winnings of $16,668. Cutter Bill won several other titles, including the 1964 AQHA Honor Roll Cutting Horse and Non-Professional World Championships. So he made some money with his star, and Rex, you know, liked to make his money. Cutter Bill didn't win six world titles as Rex liked to promote. He did easily make half a million dollars with the, whole, with the Golden Palomino. When Cobble opened his first Cutter Bill Western store, he took the horse and the horse was at the store for the grand opening and put his hoof print in the concrete in Aww. front of the store. Did you know that? No, oh, that's super cool. And did you know that they took Cutter Bill around to a children's hospital and Aww. that the horse actually rode in an elevator? Wow. Doesn't that sound kind of dangerous? It kind of reminds me of the Trigger days. Yeah. They took Trigger everywhere, too. Like our Trigger episode. Yeah. And so from the Quarter Horse News and an article that I found, it just it gives some of the stats of Cutter Bill. But what I found really interesting is he was very versatile. His offspring ended up earning more than $150,000. And they showed in many different disciplines, National Reined Cow Horse, Western Pleasure, Halter, a junior trail horse, a senior calf roping world champion, and two youth working cow horse world championships. So Cutter Bill was a really diverse stallion that won quite a bit and goes down in the history of the Quarter Horse Association. He was sired by Buddy Dexter, by Billy Silverstone, by Silverstone. And he was a 1955 Palomino stallion bred by R.L. Underwood, Wichita Falls, Texas. And he was owned by Rex, again, who purchased a stallion and at 1956 dispersal sale for $2,500. Wow. Special horse. So Muscles by then was either managing or had access to the entire Cobble empire. Lynn, you name it. As you know, Muscles had access to the airplanes, the ranches, the stores, the apartments, the vehicles, and so on. For some reason, Rex just took him under his wing. Part of the problem was that with everything that Muscles was privy to, it did not stabilize Muscles' life. He still struggled to be dependable. He still fell for the wrong woman, and he was still a wild card. It was even reported that he was calling Rex Papa into his 40s. During this time, when Muscles had taken off with the keys, Ray Hawkins entertained Muscles at his ranch in Georgia, Hawkins had been to Rex's ranch in Texas once to buy a horse. So it is assumed that Muscles knew that Hawkins was a man with means. Ray Hawkins owned Tardy too. Yes. A side note is that, ironically, Gordyville, USA, also the owners there, Gordy, 
also owned Tardy 2. What do you know about Tardy 2? Yeah, so Tardy 2 was a 1965 Sorrel Stallion. And Tardy 2 was purchased by Jan and Gordon Hannigan in 1981. Jody Hannigan showed E.T. Tardy to the Youth Reserve World Champion as a two-year-old gelding. So that must have been a, a son of Tardy 2. And that was in 1983. Yes, it was. Yeah. In September of 1986, the Hannigans had a dispersal sale of their horses to build their events facility that they would call Gordyville. And Tardy 2 was sold to a gentleman that they called the Cheesemaker from Arthur, Illinois. Tardy 2 was 21 years old. Tardy 2 was given back to Mary Hannigan in the fall of 1989. Christmas Eve in 1989, Tardy 2 could not get up in his stall, Aww. and the local grave digger came in to thaw the ground, and he was laid to rest in the Hannigan's backyard. Tardy 2 was 24 years old. Mm-hmm. So again, another connection to the cowboy mafia. And what's funny, in this article that I read about Tardy 2, it's from the Illinois Quarter Horse Association, and there was no mention of Ray Hawkins ever owning ever. that stallion. <laughs> but it is documented that Ray Hawkins did own Tardy 2 for a time. Yeah. So Muscles was at Ray Hawkins Ranch about the time that he took off with all the keys to the Caldwell Empire. Well, also visiting the Hawkins Ranch at the time that Muscles was there were Carlos Gerties and Jamie Holland. Muscles, ever conscious of money and how money influenced the women that he came across, noticed that Hawkins, Gerties, and Holland were young with a lot of disposable income. Of course, this money came from marijuana. It was lucrative for enterprising Floridians to go to Jamaica, buy weed for about $10 a pound, upsell it first much, much more back in the United States. Gerties and Holland, again, were at the Hawkins Ranch when Muscles was there. The duo also introduced Muscles to a man named John Rupel, and John comes up into the prosecution of Rex Cobble later. In the mid-1970s, the U.S. government clamped down on the Jamaican marijuana, so the smugglers needed to go to Colombia and find a way around the prying eyes of Floridian law enforcement. The irony is that muscles showed up at the Hawkins Ranch. Some would consider it the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time. Depends on how you look at it, because this is where muscles got involved with the smuggling. At this time, Gerties was actually under surveillance when Muscles showed up at the Hawkins Ranch. When law enforcement ran the plates on the vehicle that Muscles was driving, whose name did they find? Rex Cobble. And that's where the downfall, because they, they jumped on that. 100%. And then they followed every move that... Absolutely. Unknowingly, Muscles brought a spotlight onto his papa. Muscles gets back from Hawkins's ranch, and suddenly, Muscles wants to enter the shrimping business. Rex, always the supportive father figure, helped Muscles secure his first shrimping boat called the Monkey. Of course, Muscles' new friends, Carlos Gerties and John Rupel, were happy to be there for the purchase. Now, also at this time, Muscles brought in an old friend of his, a guy named Willis Butler. In early 1977, Muscles told Butler that he was willing to pay him $50,000 for some help watching for a boat that was coming in. 
Muscle stationed Butler along the shore with a pair of binoculars and told him to watch for the monkey and contact the crew when it came into view. Unfortunately, this first shipment was delayed, and it was three days before Muscles went back to check on Butler. Muscles found Butler asleep in his car on the side of the road. After that, they kind of took turns and they rotated watches. When the monkey finally arrived with tens of thousands of pounds of marijuana from Colombia, it was delivered in a spot that Muscles had found himself that was absolutely secluded and virtually invisible to anybody from land or water. Muscles made sure that one of Rex's ranches was available with no oversight. In other words, since Muscles had the power to kind of tell people what to do around Cobalt Enterprises and the ranches, he pretty much told the ranch hands and the ranch manager that they had the night off. Butler drove the marijuana to the ranch in a tractor trailer. Carlos Gerdes kept the books and handled the distribution. Muscles and his friends stayed at the guest house on the Colville Ranch. They even spent time with Rex. Rex, as reported, simply thought that they were just friends of Muscles. And that's it. The irony is that Rex's stepson, Lewis, as you had talked about, had been addicted to marijuana and Rex hated the substance. In fact, in a 1980 article in Texas Monthly by Lawrence Wright, it states that, quote, when Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones went shopping at Cutter Bill's, the store is famous as a celebrity stopover, some of the salespeople drove him up to the Denton Ranch for picture taking. Rex heard about it and hit the ceiling, saying that Jagger was a poor example for the nation's youth. Rex had some of his best employees take a lie detector test to determine if they had ever used marijuana. And when the president of Cutter Bills failed the test, Rex fired him on the spot, unquote. I mean, he was an avid, outspoken against drug use. This is the part that ties in that just is so baffling to me. Rex loaned his planes to the DEA, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he was, he was a spokesperson for anti-drugs. Like, I mean, he was either just a really big faker or so incredibly naive. It blows your mind. And there doesn't seem to be any middle ground. I mean, how, how are you that? wise and smart and successful and a shrewd businessman and not understand that the pseudo son that you've been taking care of for years and years and years is smuggling marijuana under your nose. Did he just turn a blind eye? Was he just happy that Muscles had a hobby? I asked a few of my horse trainer friends when we were in Texas this spring about the Cowboy Mafia and about Rex Cobble. And frankly, when I had read the book, I just felt like, I think Rex is innocent. You and I both did. Right? I mean, you and I like... He's innocent. Yeah. And they had a different opinion of it. Okay. They really felt like he was a criminal and a bad guy. So does that come from... Jealousy? I don't know, right? Everything that was published about him, and back then there wasn't social media, and, mm-hmm. but I mean, there was a lot of articles published that he was really a bad guy and a criminal and a crook. So can't he be both? And I guess that's something I would say. The amount of empathy that he showed 
to muscles. And then again, who we're going to talk about in a minute, this Les Fuller, the amount of empathy and patience that he showed to these men is noble. And then yet, there's also those discussions that he's he was not a good guy. And I think that there's a chance that none of us are either 100% good or 100% bad. Maybe there's some shades of gray in there. Maybe he knew more than than he let on, but knew less than he should have. I don't know. The whole thing is just, it's fascinating to me. Like, what's the true What's story? the truth? And I mean, he, and we'll talk about this as we get through, but I mean, he absolutely never moved off from his claim of innocence. Never. 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 I mean, like, from the day he got out of prison, he walked out and said, now I'm, now the work begins. Now the last chapter is not written. I'm going to prove myself innocent. Yeah. Okay, so back to the story. So he literally fired the president of Cutter Bills on the spot. He replaced that person with a man named Les Fuller, who was the original Marlboro man. Les was everything that Muscles wanted to be. He was handsome, good with the ladies, popular. Muscles felt a little threatened by the new mentee of Rex's, but... (sighs) Muscle just kind of went with it, but Les proved to be a terrible store manager. Terrible. I mean, they lost money. He couldn't keep things going, but Rex gave him multiple chances and showed him the same kind of empathy that he showed to Muscles. So one of the things that I read, and I don't know if it came up in your research though, but Rex wrote himself a big fat salary out of the Cutter Bill income or so on the books rex was taking a giant salary so maybe that's why the store was struggling financially yeah absolutely and that was one of the less was just set up to fail i mean you can't make up for that type of skimming off the top kind of a thing so at this point it just kind of feels like a perfect storm is brewing Rex does not have knowledge about what muscles is getting into Rex is now on the radar of law enforcement. Cutter Bill's Western Wear just lost their president. Wes Fuller is not keeping the store in the black. A perfect storm is brewing, Lynn. Join us next week for part two. So that's our story this week. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to spending more time with you and sharing stories of our industry. See you next week.